All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, appreciate you. Thank you for all that you are, all that you mean. God, I'm asking that you would hide me beneath the cross, that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. Give them something that they can take home with them, that can give them something to face their week with. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen and amen. All right, with your Bibles in your hands, you could just repeat after me. This is my Bible. Let's do that one more time. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I will have. What it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, give me what I need and feed me your word. Now, if you believe it, go ahead and make some noise. Glory to God. There's nothing wrong with quiet church, but. I don't know. I was in the mood for a little more lively church. Y'all a little more, y'all a little more quiet than what I was ready for, but it's all right. It's all right. It takes all kinds. So we're going to just jump right into it. Today's message is one word, very simple, and it is the word again. Again. If you've ever trained in anything, any type of sport, or even if you're training, uh, to lose weight and to build muscle mass and you have a trainer, one of the words that you dread is again. You, you done 10 jumping jacks, they said, do it again. Do it again. Give me 20 push-ups, I get done again. But again doesn't have to have a negative connotation. It actually can have a positive connotation and the way we're going to use it is I want us to get in the mindset of going again. And so let's do what we normally do or customarily do. We'll break it down and define it from the dictionary terms. Again, uh, the first definition is just another time, once more. Number two, returning to a previous position or condition. So sometimes again is not just doing it again, but sometimes again means going back to something that you were before. Um, I, I think I can give you this example that'll help. For married couples, people, especially therapists, say y'all need to date again. In other words, what got you to the aisle, you got to learn how to do the things that you did before. You got to do it again. And when you get into the throes of marriage and the throes of relationship and the throes of life, 
you can get into a mundane routine, but if you want to spark things, you got to do what you did before. You got to do it again. And the same thing when it comes to the things of God. See, whenever you launch out into the things of God, the deeper you get into the things of God, the more the uh, uh, the enemy begins to attack you. And at some point, it seems like this just ain't worth it. And it's not that y'all quit. I ain't talking about you quit and stop being saved. But in your mind, you kind of lower your expectation. Because, because, Pastor, it's been 15 years. God ain't done it yet. I'm not delivered yet. I'm not wealthy yet. I'm still not healed. And so when you go through those type of cycles, which will come, that's normal. That's a part of our normal existence because we got to go through life. But when you go through that, sometimes you got to remind yourself, why did you serve God to begin with? What is it about God that, that, that made you say, I'm going to trust in someone I can't even see? What makes you get out of the bed on a Sunday morning and walk to the house of God? You got to start taking whatever that is and say, you know what? I'm going to do some of that again. And so we're going to work through this today and I'm going to show you several things from the chapter and go ahead and, and uh, bring it up. We're going to be mainly in John chapter 1. I'm going to have only one other verse outside of there. But John chapter 1 is what we're going to be dealing with mainly. But it's going to help us with many things. I'm going to bring many things I want you to do again. Somebody say it with me, again. again. And so let's pause for a moment and let's just be honest where we are specifically in Muncie. Specifically in Muncie. Death is just an everyday occurrence. Every time we turn around, there is another tragic death, and it does take its toll. I understand it as a leader and as a pastor, as a person sometimes who has to do funerals, I understand it can be draining. But I don't want you to allow what we are faced with to drain you so low that you don't have any power. But here's what's happening. We are all going through this, but the people who are going through it without God, they're going to be looking for somebody that can provide them some hope. And if you are just as down as everybody else, then they're not going to have any hope. So I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to us. We got to start doing some stuff again. In other words, I got to get my anointing back again. I got to get my praise going again. I got to start giving again. I, I got to start forgiving again. I'm going to have to start praying. I'm going to have to start fasting. I'm not doing these things to make myself a better Christian, but I understand the urgency of this hour. I can't lose this. I can't fumble the ball right now. God called me for to this place for such a time as this. And so whatever I lost, I'm getting it back and I'm about to do it again. Because it's very important that we be what we need to be in this moment and in this hour. And what I want to submit to you, if you make up in your mind, you're going to do it again. You're not going to end up on the bottom of the barrel. Well, somebody say, well, it's too late, Pastor. I'm already at the bottom of the barrel. Well, the only way you can go up, the only way you can go now is up. 
So you're not going to stay at the bottom of the barrel. You're going to rise again. You're going to bounce back again. You're going to be wealthy again. You're going to have a relationship again. You're going to get married again. It's going to happen for you again. All right, all right. Let's... Let's, let's go, let's go through this. Cause, cause it's, it's been hard, but I hear God saying again, again, again. We go, we, we, we uh, again. It's gonna break. It's gonna break some way, somehow. And I want you to mark it in your Bible, in your journey that I told you it's gonna happen for you again. So we're gonna go through several things that I want you to do again. And at the end, I'm gonna bring up one thing that's going to prove to you or or that Jesus said that's going to show me show you why I want you to do all these things again. So we're going to stay mainly in John and we're going to go to John chapter 1 verse 1. Would you read that Mother Mitchell? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. What's interesting that John is writing this. John was the apostle John that who was with Jesus, one of his disciples, Jesus. Many of the disciples by this point had had died and gone on. A lot of them were martyred. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. And so they believe Jesus died or he hung on the cross around somewhere between 30 and 36 A.D. And John is writing this anywhere between 63 to 68 A.D. So he's writing this close to the end. In 70 A.D., Rome took over Jerusalem and burned it to the ground. So John is at the end of life for him and at the end of life for a lot of things that were normal. And John begins to write and he begins to talk about in the beginning. Now here he is at the end and he's talking about in the beginning. He really didn't need to do that because if he was a scholar, he would have known in Genesis, it already told us in the beginning. But when he started his gospel, which is different from the other gospels, the other gospels are called synoptic gospels. His was different because it had a different language, a different feel. And he started off and said, in the beginning was the word. And here's the point I want to make to you because there's so much I can deal with right there. And I don't want to get too theologically deep on you. So I'm going to make a very simple point and I want you to put it up. This is point number one. I need you to do this. Begin again. I'm I'm old. I'm too old. No. Begin again. Well, you know, uh, uh, several years ago, I used to walk around the track, but now my knees are bad. No. Take them raggedy knees back to the track and begin again. Because there's something about starting something and saying, yes, it looks like it's over. It looks like I'm at the end. It looks like it's not going to work, but I'm about to begin again. I'm about to do something that I had done before, and I'm about to start all over, and I'm about to do it again. But this time, I'm not doing it in my energy. I'm doing it in the energy of the Lord, because in the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Well, in the beginning, when I start again, God's going to show up on my behalf. The word's going to show up on my behalf. Jesus is going to show up on my behalf. So I'm doing it again. I'm about to begin again. Somebody say begin again. 
Oh yeah, there's some stuff that you stop, that you drop because it didn't work out the last time. Begin again. Go back to school again. Start the business again. Try again. Go ahead and, and get in Planet Fitness again before January when everybody going to try to do it. No, go ahead and start right now. Begin again. One thing that life will do, it'll suck so much life out of you. It's interesting how life will rob you of life if you allow it. But no, I'm not going to be robbed of life. I'm about to begin some stuff again. Well, the economy's bad, so I stopped saving. Begin again. Start saving again. Because you never know what's going to happen. Begin again. All the stuff you put on the shelf that you drop, I'm saying I want you to begin it again. God's going to step in. Let's, let's go to John 1, 3 through 5 in the English Standard Version. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him, so whatever you're going to do, you're going to need to do it through him. The problem is you've done a lot of stuff without him, and that's the reason why he couldn't let it work. But now you're going to switch and you're going to begin again, and you're going to do some stuff through him, and everything through him, it's got to work some way Somehow. So let's look at verse 4. In him was life. In him was what? Life. Okay. And the life was and the, the what? Of men. The life uh-huh. was the light of men. In him was life. Now, if I was my father, if anybody remember my father preaching, this is how he would say it. In him was the L-I-F-E. And the L-I-F-E was the L-I-G-H-T of men. So it's both life and light. So after you begin again, and the reason why I want you to begin again, and here's point number two, would you bring it up? Because I want you to live again. again. The problem with some of y'all life has been so so rough that you just done stopped living. You, 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 you just didn't put everything on pause, everything on on quit, because God, God ain't going to do it for me. Now, no, he might do it for Joyce and Trish, but he ain't going to do it for me. But what's happened is now you're no longer living. I need to let some of y'all know Muncie is not the only thing in this world. I don't want you just to save just so you can have stocks and save for a rainy day so your furnace don't go out and your car don't go out. No, I want you to save so you can get out of this city and go on vacation and see something different and live again. Why is it that the sinners are cruising and going here and there and doing this and that and you just feel like I can't do nothing? No, it's time for you to live I said a lot. Some of y'all grandparents, you need to tell your kids, I'm babysitting weekend or next weekend. I'm going somewhere for myself. I to live again. You might end up being like Stella. You might get your groove back over in Jamaica. You, you might need to live again. Don't, don't throw in the towel. It's too early. If you're still breathing, God's still got a purpose for you. I want you to live again. Amen. And some sometimes, uh, I don't want to get too far off, but some, some of the stuff is our own fault. Because we won't even try nothing. Every restaurant you go to, just give me chicken fingers. No, put the chicken fingers away. Try something on the menu. 
Don't just go go to McDonald's all the time. Save up some money and go somewhere nice where you can't read nothing on the menu and just try and force yourself to live again. I love discount shopping. I love bargain basement shopping. But every now and then, you got to step into a place you know you can't afford. Just try it on just to stir up what's on the inside of you. Because maybe one day I won't be begging for a bargain. Maybe one day I can have something a little better. Try to live again. again. Uh, Y'all with me. Let's move on. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right. The light shines in the darkness. Now, now what this shows me is the darkness is here. The darkness is there. It's not like the darkness is somewhere else. The darkness is there, but the light shines in it. So here's the thing about light. Light, you don't know how powerful a light is if it's light. Take a, a flashlight that, that you saw on TV, one of them flashlights that say $39.99, the best flashlight in the world. You can buy it and, and you can put it on three easy payments of $9.99 or however you take it. You can buy it and bring it home, but as long as the sun is out, when you turn on that flashlight, you won't know how powerful it is. Amen. The only way you know how powerful it is, it's got to first get dark. And I'm here to let you know the reason why your life has been so dark is not because you've done something wrong. God wants to show you that you got a light that'll shine in darkness, in grief, in bondage, in sickness, in trouble, in marital turmoil. There's a light that'll shine in darkness. But that's not all it says. It says, and the darkness... Has not overcome it. So I got to add this to you. Number three. Point number three. Overcome. Again. Now you know whenever there is a NBA champion. One of the first things they try to do is repeat. Yeah we won last year. But we trying to protect our title. We're trying to win again. Don't be so comfortable that you forget you can win again. If God brought me out before, he can do it again. So I plan on overcoming again. And I'm so crazy believing that I'm going to overcome, I stop talking to the devil so much. What do you mean, Pastor Andre? Every time he do something, I don't give him a whole lot of credit. Well, the devil is busy. Oh, the devil is busy. That's his job. He's supposed to be busy, but I'm not going to let that worry me. And I'm not going to talk about what he's doing because I know I'm about to overcome again. And the only reason why God allows the devil to get close to me is to show me I have power over him. If I say salt, what do you say? Pepper. If I say light, what do you say? If I say black, what do you say? If I say uh, Satan, what do you say? No. It's a problem with that. All those other things are opposite but equal. Satan is not on God's level. 
He's not on Jesus level. He can only be opposite, but he can never be equal. So here's the thing. Let me bring it to you to where you can understand. If my daughter in the fourth grade gets in a fight with another girl, I'm not coming to beat that other girl up. That'd make me look like a fool. That girl is now on my level. So there are some devils that are not on God's level and God is expecting you to beat them up because he would look stupid coming to deal with a devil that's already been dealt with. So devil, I'm about to overcome you because if you in my face, that means you on my level. And if you on my level, I can overcome you and I'm about to do it again. What do you mean, Pastor? Y'all have already whooped the devil. The fact that you're still here, still breathing, and you still got the activity of your limbs, you done already whooped them, so do it again. Amen. You should have been dead and gone. We should have had your funeral, but somehow you're still here. You have already overcome, so overcome again. again. If we're honest, our minds should have snapped. And our minds almost did snap. But somehow, I'm getting my mind back. Somehow, my emotions are coming back together. I don't care if I got to go to therapy, whatever I got to do. I'm getting myself together because I'm about to overcome again. I'm taking back everything the devil stole from me, bothered me with, buffalo me with, and I'm not allowing it to take over me. I'm about to win again. I, I'm already sizing up my championship ring. I'm already looking for my championship banner. I'm about to overcome again. The, the song says his banner over me is love. That's Jehovah Nissi. It's the Lord God, our banner. And it's a signified victory. Victory is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory win today is mine. About to overcome again. Let's let's go even further in John. Let's look at John 1, 10 through 14. Before before you read it, so let me just cover it again. So number one, we got to begin again. Number two, you got to live again. Number three, you need to overcome again. All right, let's look at John 10, 1, 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Let me stop real quick and just throw this out here. Well, folk don't like me and folk hate me. Well, they didn't know the Lord, so don't expect for them to know you because God's doing something different in you. He's doing a new thing in you, and everybody's not going to like it, and you don't need everybody to like you. You don't need everybody to praise you because didn't nobody, no one praised anybody that was doing something amazing anyhow. They said the Wright brothers was crazy, crazy talking about there's going to be a vehicle that fly in the air. But we've been on planes and we know the Wright brothers weren't crazy, but the people just didn't know it. Maybe God's got something in you that the people just don't know. Don't worry about who's laughing, who's talking, because they don't know what God's doing in you. Let's look at verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. All right, read that one more time for me. He came unto his own, and his own received him I'm not. I'll ask you to read it one more time, and then we'll move on to the next verse. One more time. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. There's a spiritual implication, but really it just means the Jews. He came to his Jews, and that they didn't receive him. But there's a greater spiritual implication. So I want us to read the next verse, and then I'll show you where I'm going with it. Verse uh, 12. 
But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. All right, this is powerful, and I, I, I could preach all of this, but I'm not going to. But let me just say this is that, well, first of all, let, let me give you the point, and then I'll, I'll try to break it down. Point number four, receive again. So as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. In other words, the power to do what God wants you to do is not your willpower. It's your ability to receive. So when oftentimes when I'm in a service and they pray the sinner's prayer, I say it too because there's never enough time for me to receive more of Jesus. So I want to receive him again and again. Well, pastor, are you saved? I am, but I need some more saving. So I'm going to keep on receiving because when I receive it, along with it comes power to become whatever God told me to become. That's some stuff that God done told me that's way above me, but I receive it because it's not me that has to do it. If God said it, he's the one that has to do it. Even what I'm doing right now, I did not want to be no pastor, and I wasn't even sure I could do it. There was a lot of challenges. There was a lot of things we were faced with, and then in the second year of our, me taking over as a pastor, my wife got pregnant with our third child, so I'm trying to pastor. I'm trying to handle. We had a new bank mortgage. I'm trying to deal with the bank, and I was like, God, and I'm working all night long. I'm like, God, this is a whole lot, but I receive you. And if I receive you, you will empower me. You will enable me. You will equip me. And 11 years later, I'm still pastoring. I'm still moving along, writing books, doing podcasts, going here and there, preaching in different continents because I received him. And when I received him, I received power. It's not my power. It's not my energy. It's the power of the Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So I receive again. God, what you want me to do, I can't do it. So I receive again. Some of y'all do the same thing. Now you do have to pay for it, but when your gas uh, hand goes to empty, you got to go somewhere and receive some more gas. You can drive all day long if you want to, but over a period of time, that car, I don't care how nice it is, it's going it's to put out. How do I know? Because I done ran out of gas before. Thinking I have a few more miles. Well, I've learned it's time from out for me running out of gas in the things of God. I'm about to fill up again. I'm receiving again. God, if you got some power empower me again. God, if you got some anointing, anoint me again. God, if you got some blessings, bless me again. I'm here to receive. I don't want to train selfish people, but when it comes to God, you can say, give me, give me, give me. God, give me all you got. If you got more God, I want it. The Bible says exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God, you got more and I want more. Mother Rankin, if you go to the ocean with a thimble and all you get from the ocean is a thimble's worth of the ocean, you can't blame the ocean. You have to blame what you brought to receive. 
If you go to the ocean with a spoon and all you get is a spoonful of the ocean, it's not the ocean's fault because the ocean is almost limitless, but you limit what you brought. Well, when it comes to God, I'm not bringing a thimble. I'm not bringing a spoon. I'm bringing a barrel. God, fill me up till I overflow. If you got more, God, I want it. If you got more sense, God, I want it. If you got more power, God, I want it. If you got more praise, God, I want it. God, give me all you got. I can't do this by myself. So I'm plugging into you to give me what I need. Tapping in. And tuning in. All right, let's move right along. John 1, 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, you have to be born what? Born again. So all this power I'm talking about, it's not for people who are not born again. Because we are born, and we're first born by water. When the water breaks and we come out of the birthing canal. But the second time we're born by the blood of the lamb. And his blood, it it flows to the lowest valley. And it reaches to the highest mountain. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It'll never lose its power. And I thank God for the blood of Jesus that washes my sins. I'm saved and sometimes I make mistakes, but the blood of the lamb washes me and cleanses me. And I'm so glad I'm born again. And guess what? I'm trying to get born again, again, and again, and again, and again, and again. I want all God has for me. Because it says born of, it's not born of the flesh. Because that's the problem with us. We got this flesh. This flesh gets in the way. And I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be perfect, but the flesh gets in the way sometimes. And you know how pastors are. They, they expect that they, they expect us to be perfect. So if we're not perfect. They talk about us. And some people talk, some people talk about me, but I can talk about me better than you can because I know what I did. And I know I need the blood of Jesus in my life. Ask my family, especially my siblings. They say, man, pastor, before he was pastor, he was crazy. Well, I still got some of that crazy to try to rise up in me. So, God, I need your blood. And it's okay for me to say it because y'all crazy too. And y'all need the blood of Jesus too. And if we don't believe, all we got to do is turn on the news. Crazy things are happening every single day. The world is about to crack under the pressure. It's The world is going crazy. So, I thank God it's a few of us that know about the blood of Jesus. Thank God. All right. I'm a licensed gun owner, so I need the blood of Jesus. I don't need to be doing nothing stupid with my gun. No, I, I, I just need it for, for defense only, and I pray that I never have to use it. And so far, I've never had to use it, and I don't want to get in a situation where I have to use it. Even though I have it, I'm not trusting it. I'm trusting the blood of Jesus. All right, next verse, verse 14. This is powerful. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Yes. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So much here. The full of grace and truth I would love to preach on. I just don't have time to do it. So you have to get in that on your own. But it simply makes this statement. The word was made flesh. So in other words, when Jesus came in human form... He came as the word. 
But then when he died and when he rose again, he still rose as the word. So he is the word. He was the word. He will be the word. The, 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 actually what happened is the word wrapped itself in human flesh. That's why the Bible says he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And so what I need to submit to you, even though it's in technology form for me, and it may be ink and pages and paper for you with what they call bonded leather, but it's not just ink, pages, and paper, and digital things on a screen. It is actually Jesus. Whenever you have the word, you are actually getting Jesus himself. So this ought to help you too. Let's put this up. Sometimes we forget about this. We need to read again. Every single Sunday, I'm taking an old ancient text from thousands of years old and I'm preaching it. And the reason why it benefits you is because it's alive. Even though it's thousands of years old and some of y'all, y'all got, y'all gonna have to do this. Blow the dust off it. It's been sitting on the shelf so long. But even if you blow the dust off it and open it up, there's something in there because it's Jesus. So you need to read again because there's power in the word. And one word from God can revolutionize your life. One word can shift and alter your whole personality. Don't you give up on it. And I know people tell you how old folk it is, but spend some time in it. It's going to be some stuff you don't understand. It's going to be some stuff that bore you. It's going to be some stuff that rock you to sleep. But it's going to be some stuff that jumps off the page and almost grabs you and shakes you to life because there's power in it. So read it again. Again. For the last, I can't even remember how long now. I used to say seven years, but it seemed like longer than that. But I've been reading the, through the Bible every single year. Well, Pastor, aren't you tired of doing that? No, because I still don't know it. I'm I'm reading stuff that I know I read and seeing stuff that I never saw before. Because it's unfolding. It's revelation. It's new. It's fresh. Even though it's old, it's new. Even though it's old, it's fresh. It is being being revived over and over again. There's stuff that jumps off of the page that I never knew. Like I never saw it this way before. I never felt like this before. And I still love it. And I still want more of it. On the way to church, I was reading it again. I wasn't reading what I was about to preach. I'm just reading some stuff from me. I'm so grateful that I have the advent of the word of God in my life. Not just to preach it, but to receive it and read it. So guess what I do? I read it again and again and again. Psalms 23, I can quote it by heart, but every now and then Psalms 23 means more to me than it did before. When I was preaching Psalms 23, it meant one thing. But when my daddy died, it meant something different. Yea, though I walk through the valley, that shadow with death, it means something different. Because I lost my, my wife's grandma and my grandma and my grandma's brother and my father all within an 18-month a span of time, including members as well. I've gone through a lot of death. And so when I read, yea, though I walk through the valley, it's not just words on a paper. It means something to me. 
Because I could have cracked under the pressure. I could have lost my mind. But somehow I'm still stepping high. Somehow I still got a pep in my step. I still believe God. Why? Because I read it again. Bible says lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head. I read stuff like that and it ministers to me. And thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on him. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed. That's when I'm go. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. And God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. I read it because it blesses me. The more you read it, you start memorizing it. And when you get in tight situations, you are reminded no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me, I'm going to be able to condemn. I can start quoting a whole bunch of these, but it means something to me. Hallelujah. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I need your word. Job said I need it more than my necessary food. I need it to revive me. I need it to fix me. I need it to correct me. I need it to lift me up. I need your word, Lord. So read it again. Do it again. Read it again. Then do it again. One day that stuff, it'll take root inside of you. And then it'll grow in you. Let's go even further. We'll take a little little more time with this. This is going to be our last passage from John. Take a little time with this. John 143. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. So it's talking about how Jesus began to get some of his disciples. So he found one and just said, come, follow me. Verse 44. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. All right. Verse 40. The reason why it brings it up, because Andrew and Peter had already followed him. Let's look at verse 45. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. The son of Joseph from Nazareth. In other words, Philip is saying the stuff we've been reading about, now we see it in front of us. I'm here to let you know there's some stuff you've been reading about for years that you have not seen, but it's about to manifest in your life. Even people who may not be what we would call Christians have been talking and using the word manifest. Even they are understanding you got to manifest stuff, but some of the stuff you read is about to manifest. And Philip said, this dude we've been reading about all these years... He's here. Let's look at let's look at verse 46. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. I like I like Philip. Philip didn't get in a whole lot of debate, dissertation. He just said, just come and see. See for yourself. And so Nathaniel had a, a, a good question. Is there anything? Good, come out of Nazareth, because Nazareth was not a known city. And I'm here to let you know, people are asking the same thing. Can anything good come out of Muncie? 
old raggedy monster with 85 train tracks and you get stuck on the train tracks? It, can anything good come out of that? I'm here to let you know, yes, it can. Because we are in the word of God. And the word of God is bigger than our city. And Jesus was in Nazareth and there was nothing special about Nazareth. But when he stepped in, it became special. Not because of Nazareth, because he was there. Well, I'm here to let you know, Muncie, Indiana, Jesus is here. Jesus is in you and Jesus is in me. Don't ask me, can anything good come out? Because I'm here to let you know, yes, it can. Look at me. Look at her. Look at him. Yes, it can. Because when Jesus steps in, when Jesus steps in, so Philip just said, hey, come and see. I'm here to let some folk know, come and see. Some of y'all are about to have a come and see anointing. I heard so-and-so got a nice house. I don't believe it. She's been broke all her life. Well, come and see. I heard somebody is driving. They was driving in a convertible down the street. I don't believe it. They must have just rented that car. Come and see the license plates on the back of it. No, this belongs to me. I ain't got to argue. I ain't got to fuss. Come and see. Well, she used to be 375 pounds. Well, come and see. I ain't looking like I used to look. Come and see. Walk behind me when I walk. You're going to see stuff moving that didn't move the way it used to move. It's going to be a little firmer than it used to be. Come and see. And I'm here to let you know, I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know what you want. But you're going to be able to just tell your haters, come and see. Look at what the Lord has done. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous. In our eyes. I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta talk about it. I ain't gotta get on Facebook. Just come and see. And it's gonna be hard to come and see because I'm gonna be moving here and moving there. I might be in Paris one week preaching. I might be over here. So if you come and see, you better come. I'm moving. I ain't got time to wait on no hater. I ain't got no time to worry about what you think. Just come and see. Is there anything good come out of that family? Can anything good come from the Mitchells, come from the Longs, come from the Rankins, and whatever your name is? Yes, 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 it can, because Jesus has stepped in. So I want to add, this is our last point, and then I've got one other thing to say to tie everything together. So see again. Some folk are going to see again God's on your side. See, they used to believe God was on your side when you was 15, 16, 17, 20. But now you're 45, 46, 47, 38, 39, and you didn't have some issues, you didn't have some addictions, you didn't have some stuff, and so they done counted you out. But I'm getting ready to let you know they about to see again. The God that was with me when I was young, I know I done made mistakes, but he's stepping back in my life, and I want you to come and see again, God is still on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? I know I've done some dumb stuff, but see me again. I know I made some mistakes, but see me again. I know I was locked up, but see me again. I know I was hooked on dope, but see me again. I know I've been divorced, but see me walk down the out again. Come and see it again. 
And I'm so glad that God is using some of us because people won't be able to trace our education, trace our pedigree. See, if God does it with Bill Gates' son, people will think it was because Bill Gates owns Microsoft. But when God does it with your raggedy life and you don't know who your daddy is and your mama don't care about you and you was given up for adoption and when God does it for you, people are going to say, it had to be God. I can't believe God did it for them. It had to be God. Again, 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 again. All right. John 147, let's, let's continue to read. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. So here's, here, here's the connotation. As they approach Nathaniel, Jesus just starts talking about Nathaniel as if he already knew him because he did. Jesus is omniscient. So he said, now here's the genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Let's look at verse 48. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. See, you was talking to Philip and saying, can anything come good out of Nazareth? But before Philip ever showed up close to you, I already saw you. And so let's look at verse 49. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. I like Nathanael. It didn't take a whole lot of convincing for him. For him. Jesus told him one thing that happened. He said, shoot, you, you the man. You are the man. Some of y'all so skeptical, God got to jump through hoops and do all kinds of stuff for you to believe that he is who he says he is. Just the fact that you see a rainbow in the sky, you ought to say, God, this this is you. This got to be you. Nathaniel jumped at it. He believed right away. I don't have this in my notes, but I need to say this. Some of y'all need to believe again. Well, pastor, see, I want you to break down in the Hebrew and the Greek. I can do all that, but you still ain't going to believe. I don't want to waste my time. The Bible says don't cast your pearls to swine. If you ain't going to believe, I'm not going to waste my time digging up a bunch of stuff. Well, aren't we the Hebrew Israelites? I would talk and preach about that, but you ain't going to believe if I really show it to you. I want some folk that will just believe. Let's, let's look at verse 50. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you? I had seen you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. I love this. I love, love, love this. Jesus said, Nathaniel, you you believe just over that little stuff I told you? Jesus said, if you hang with me, you're going to see more than just that. And so all these things that I'm telling you to do again, do again, do again, do again. Here's the major point I want to leave with you. It's not really in one of my points. I've got seven points. We're on point number six. But this sub point is the thing I really want to leave you. I almost named the sermon this topic, but this is what I really want to leave with you. The reason why I wanted you to do it again and again and again, and I'm trying to stir you up. Here's the thing. Put it up there for me. It ain't good grammar, but just go ahead and put it up there for me. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's what Jesus told Nathaniel. You ain't seen nothing yet. I want to tell some of y'all that are here today, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
I know you're 55, 60, but you ain't seen nothing yet. I want you to believe again because what God has for you, he's only showing you a glimpse of it. You've only got a drop of it. You've only got a taste of it. But oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Anitra, you ain't seen nothing yet. Joyce, you ain't seen nothing yet. Darlene, you ain't seen nothing yet. Benny, you ain't seen nothing yet. I wish I could call all your names, but you ain't seen nothing yet. What God is about to do, it's not just going to blow their mind. It's going to blow your mind. You ain't seen nothing yet. He preserved you for such a time as this. He held you for such a time as this. You should have died, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Jasmine, you ain't seen nothing yet. Kay, you ain't seen nothing yet. God's still going to do it. God's still going to work it out. God's still going to make a way. Kiana, you ain't seen nothing yet. He's still God. He still sits on the throne. He still has the final say-so. Look at somebody and say, God got the final say-so. God got the final say-so. God got the final say-so. I ain't seen nothing yet. God going to do some stuff that's about to blow my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't seen nothing yet. Deliver simple, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just let me just throw this out here. Over here to my right, which would be your left. We got land that don't just need to be stay land. We need a new fellowship hall. We need new stuff. You ain't seen nothing yet. These next several years, this whole campus is going to look different. I don't know where the money is coming from, but I know what I see in my head. God about to do some stuff that's going to make folk mad at us, but I'm not worried about it. We haven't seen nothing yet. Two more scriptures. This is the last scripture in John. Read what John went on to say. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God coming up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So he told them, basically, Nathaniel, you're about to see some crazy stuff. You're actually going to see me go up and come down from heaven. And now let me add this. This is, this is stretching the context just a little bit. But there's a lot of people in our life that has gone on. They've crossed that stairway to heaven. Well, guess what? They don't need blessings up there. We need it down here. So some of them folk up there, they are looking at us and say, go ahead and bless my child. Bless my wife and bless my this and bless my that. Them people that gone on, they still care about us. And God is about to send some blessings that don't even have our name on it. It's got our loved one's name on it that they can no longer use. And they want us to get it. I don't want to be too specific, but Sister Darlene, there's some stuff Alan doing just for you. And it, 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 it hurts right now, but hang on. There's some stuff that Royce is doing just for me. There's some stuff some of y'all loved ones are doing just for you. And you say, well, I don't have no loved ones that would say, well, Abraham is doing some stuff. And David is doing some stuff. And Samuel's doing some stuff. Listen, there's some stuff coming for us. So because of that, here's the final point. This is where we're closed. We need to rejoice 
again. Rejoice again. Sister Mitchell, since your name is Joyce, go ahead and read this verse. It's the only verse that's not in John, but go ahead and read this. Rejoice in the Lord always. What? Rejoice in the Lord always. All right. Again, I will say rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. So in other words, rejoice means to take joy again. So, yes, right now you're rejoicing because you're hearing the word of God. But maybe by Wednesday or Tuesday, something's going to hit you. Maybe you're going to get a call that wants to put you down. And I'm giving you a command because the Bible gives you a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Take joy. God, God, God's up to something. And whenever God's up to something, the devil's going to be up to something too. Because he don't always know what God is doing, but he knows how God operates. So he tries to beat God to the punch. So don't worry about what you're faced with. Just rejoice again because what God is going to do is going to blow your mind. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. And from here, we're going to move right into our communion. Somebody repeat this after me. Say, I'm rejoicing because I haven't seen nothing yet. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read these verses. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.23. You're just going to prepare your communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. Verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I just told you that Jesus is the word. As we eat this bread, it's representation of us eating the word of God. So let's do that. Eleven twenty-five. Sister Mitchell, would you read that for me? In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now let's go ahead and let's drink. Remembering his sacrifice. And he didn't sacrifice for us to stay broke, busted, and disgusted. Last and final verse, 1 Corinthians eleven 26. I'll read this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But we have to remember his death wasn't just his death. His death was his death, burial, and resurrection. So we're proclaiming his resurrection in our life as often as we do it. Now we do it every month, but you're more than welcome to do it as many times as you desire because you're proclaiming what God has done. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I gave you what you told me to give them and I believe there's many things you want us to do again. Because you've got some stuff in store for us. And God, I even see the cloud lifting, some of the fog lifting. We've gone through some dark times. But I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And God, help us to keep moving forward. And God, whatever you bless us with, let us not forget you. Let us not forget your sacrifice. And let us give you all the credit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed.